Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to God's Word for Life. I'm your host, Jonathan McClintock. This is episode number 55. For those of you who are Word of Flame curriculum customers, this is a lesson companion podcast. So we invite you to grab your Living Word lesson manual or student workbook and turn to lesson number 10, intended for May 9th, 2021, the lesson entitled The Prophetic Voice. For those of you who are not Word of Flame curriculum customers, we invite you to grab your Bible, sit back, and let's dive into God's Word together. All right, before we look into God's Word together, if you want to go ahead and turn there and hold your place, Amos chapter 3, we're going to read the first seven verses, Amos chapter 3. But before we do that, the the property had not sold for three years. The home had originally been purchased by a caring individual who wanted to bless a young couple. And after having lived in the home for a time, the young couple needed to sell. However, the market was tight and it appeared it was going to be next to impossible to sell, at least not quickly. The owners had followed the advice of realtors, prayed, and even exhausted themselves by making the one-way, hour-long trip each week to make sure the property looked nice and was taken care of. Almost completely exhausted from the process, the young couple was distraught. And One Sunday morning, their pastor preached a message that challenged their faith. The pastor then asked for those who desperately needed God to take care of something to come forward. They approached the pastor, responded in faith to his message, and telling him of their immediate need for the property to sell. And as they prayed, the pastor prophesied that they would have a buyer that week. Driving home from church, the owners received a call from a young man with whom they had never talked. This young man told them how the property they owned used to belong to his grandmother. He told them he'd been driving around that morning and something spoke to him and told him, buy your grandmother's old property right now. It was an answer to this young couple's prayer. The next day, he began the process to make the purchase, and after three years of challenges and disappointments, the owners responded to the preached word, and God used the voice of a prophet or a preacher to intercede on their behalf. We're going to look at this lesson entitled The Prophetic Voice. The focus of this lesson is we must heed the preached word of God. And we're going to launch from the first seven verses of Amos chapter 3. So I invite you to turn there with me, Amos chapter 3, and let's look at what God's Word would have to speak to us today. All right, Amos chapter 3, let's look at verse number 1. It says what Amos 3 verse 1 says, Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it? Verse 7 says, Surely the Lord will do nothing. 
but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And that's the focus verse of this peculiar passage here today. Amos chapter 3, verse number 7. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now we're in a minor prophet book, the book of Amos. The book of Amos and many, many of the minor prophets are filled with judgment. Basically, the Lord calling to judgment the people who have uh, committed iniquities, have sinned, have turned their back on the Lord. And very often, these prophets will step up and begin to proclaim and preach and prophesy to the people of Israel, people of Judah, uh, whoever the people, the Lord's people, and begin to declare they must repent or God's going to bring judgment. And sometimes they repented and God relented. And then other times they did not repent and what was prophesied would happen came to pass. And here we find a similar situation and the voice of the Lord speaking through the prophet Amos. Hear this word of the Lord. He's speaking to the children of Israel. And he basically says, especially in verse 2, you, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Here we see the judgment of the Lord prophesied to the children of Israel because of all the iniquities, the sins they've committed, turning their back on the Lord. God has pronounced judgment on them. I'm going to punish you for all of your sins. Now, these messages that we read here in the book of Amos and and other of the minor prophets, they're, they're they're not fun or pleasant messages to hear to listen to. We, we become very grateful that we are not uh, in the children of Israel, these people that are being spoken to in these passages. But we must take heed because if we ourselves are living in sin, if we are dealing with things, we must repent and turn from our iniquities also, or there will be consequences. God has to and will require, he will judge sin. So why, why does God judge sin? That's something we need to think. Why does God judge sin? Well, the righteousness of God cannot exist, will not exist in the same place where sin exists. The righteousness of God, the holiness of God must judge sin, must take care of sin. He, cannot, he will not stay in the place where sin dwells. God will judge sin. And so he calls the people to repentance. We can't escape the judgment for sin. We can't escape it. Sin will bring judgment upon our lives. If we live and continue to live in sin, we ignore the word of the Lord. We ignore the preached word. We ignore the drawing of God's spirit. We, we ignore these things when God is trying to reach for us in our sin, just as he is here in the book of Amos. If we ignore that, we cannot escape the judgment. We cannot escape the, the what was, what will come because of the sin in our lives. Again, it's not a pleasant subject to think about or talk about, but sin has consequences. Now, we can even talk about the consequences, the natural consequences that sin has. We can commit sin. We can make choices in our lives, and even God can even forgive us and wash the sin away, but because of mistakes and decisions we've made, there will be natural consequences. There are natural consequences that will come on us, come on our families, come on those that are close to us, just because of the sin that we have committed. 
Even when God forgives, sin still has consequences. And just as sin and wrong has consequences naturally, sin and wrong have consequences spiritually. And if we ignore the redemption that Jesus Christ has made available to us, if we ignore the opportunity for repentance that God has made available to us, we will experience not only the physical consequences of sin, but we will experience the spiritual consequences of sin, which for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And here God says, I will judge you and punish you for all your iniquities. It's not the Lord out to just get them for the wrong they've done. And God's mad at them and God's angry at them and God wants to wipe them off the face. This is not so much the picture that we get of God, though sometimes it talks about the Lord's anger. But it's not so much his anger that he hates people because they sin, that he wants to just demolish them because they sin. He loves, God is love. His heart breaks when we give our lives to sin. And he knows and understands that sin must be punished. The goal, though, is not to destroy and forever make them suffer, make us suffer. But his goal with punishment or with correction is that we turn around and make the right choices. The reasons our parents corrected us and punished us when we did wrong was not because our parents did not love us. Now, a godly parent, a a parent who loves God, a parent who wants to please God, a parent who is living for God, doing the right thing. Now, yes, there are parents that, that abuse. There are parents, but I'm talking about godly parents who want God's will. When they punish, when they correct, it's so that the child will turn from their ways recognize the error of their ways and head in the right direction. This is the heart of God. He will punish sin. He will correct those who are in sin. He calls us to repentance, but if we don't repent, if we don't turn to him, he will punish our sin. And this is what he's saying here in the first couple of verses of Amos chapter 3. Then, then there's this list of, of, of a handful of rhetorical questions. And it's kind of confusing. What does all this have to do with anything, right? He says, verse 3, can two walk together except they be greed? Verse 4, will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet blow in the city and the people will not be afraid? And he asks these rhetorical questions that seem strange to us. And what is he really referring to here? What he's, what he's uh, alluding to and referring to here is that Every cause has an effect. There is a cause and effect relationship. Some One thing happens, it causes something else to happen. When one thing goes this way, it causes something else to go that way. There is a cause and effect relationship in these rhetorical questions. Again, the Lord is speaking through his prophets saying, in other words, this cause and effect of sin will bring judgment. This cause and effect of rebellion will bring judgment judgment. You turn your back from the Lord, walk away from him, and you will experience the consequences. There is a cause and effect relationship. Our actions have consequences. Good actions, bad actions. Every action has a consequence. So why do we ignore the cause and effect 
relationships sometimes when it comes to the wrong choices that we make. Why? How? How do we reconcile the cause and effect relationship of our sin and the choices that we make? Why do we ignore it? I think part of it is we somehow hope that judgment won't come to us. You ever talk to somebody or hear somebody and, oh, I, I, I know that, that that happened to them, but it's not going to happen to me. I know they made that choice and ended up not living for God. I, I know that was them, but that, that's not me. I, I can handle this. You ever heard somebody say that? Or maybe not really say that, but in their actions and the way they live, that's basically what they're saying. Ah, I, I just don't think it's going to affect me. It's not going to hurt me. I can handle that. I can watch that movie with all the violence and the gore and the sexual content and all the, all the ungodly stuff. I can watch that. It's not going to affect me. Now, I know it affects other people, but it's not going to affect me. I can, I can dabble around in that relationship with that individual who's not really living for God, not really serving God. I can, I, I can control myself. I, I, I can do it. I can handle it, right? Somehow, we seem to think that cause and effect doesn't happen to us. That the cause is not going to produce that effect. Why do we do that? Somehow we think judgment won't come to us. It's, it's not going to happen. It, it won't happen to me. I mean, it might happen to somebody else, but it won't happen to me. And the prophet interjects these rhetorical questions to help Israel understand your sin has consequences. Turning your life, your heart away from God will bring consequences. It's going to come. It may not come immediately, but it's going to come. Think about the garden when, when the serpent got Adam and Eve to questioning. Did God really say this? Did God really say that? God, you're not going to surely die if you eat this fruit. God's lying to you. He's holding back from you. You're not going to really die when you eat this fruit. What, what do you think Eve and Adam felt when they first took a bite of that fruit and they didn't die? They thought, well, maybe God was holding out on us. Maybe God was lying to us. Because I'm still alive. Pinch themselves. I, I still feel pain. I, I, I'm still alive. But though it didn't happen, what they thought didn't happen immediately. They did die at that moment. Sin brought death into their lives. Immediately shame came. Immediately separation from God came. So yes, death did come. And the death they thought would happen eventually came. If they would have never partaken of that fruit and would have eaten of the tree of life, they would have lived forever, still be living in that garden. But death did come. The consequence did come. It might have taken a while. They might have thought they were getting away with it. They might have thought they were, they were pulling one over on God. But every, the cause and effect relationship, every choice, decision, action has consequences. 
The death they didn't weren't anticipating came immediately, spiritual death. The death they were anticipating didn't come immediately, and they thought God had lied, but death did come. The consequences, well, sometimes there's this space where God gives the chance to repent. You'll find it throughout his word where God will call a prophet to preach his word and will call the people to repentance. Judgment's coming if you don't repent. It's going to happen if you don't repent. And people, there were people who ignored it and judgment came. And there were others that turned their hearts back to God and God forgave them and stayed the judgment. Judgment will come. Verse 7, surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Why does God reveal secrets, so-called secrets, to his prophets? Why does God speak through his prophets, speak through preachers, speak through men and women of God? Why does God do it? It's because of his mercy, (laughs) As I said earlier, God is not out to destroy us and to watch us suffer and take pleasure in that God does whatever he can do to get us to understand he is for us and he wants to forgive us. And God spoke through the prophet Amos and he spoke through the prophet Jonah. We'll find out next week. He spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. He spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. He spoke through the prophet Isaiah. He spoke through John the Baptist, one of the greatest prophets to ever live, Jesus said. He spoke through through himself when he came in flesh as Jesus. Christ. He spoke through Peter on the day of Pentecost. He's speaking to your pastor today. He's speaking to people in your life today because he doesn't want to bring judgment, but he wants us to understand sin has consequences. Judgment will come. You will have to face it, but so repent. Turn to me. I will stay the judgment. I will forgive. I will set you free. I will deliver. That's our God. We must heed the preached word of God. Today, this week, I challenge you, heed the preached word of God. Listen to preaching in a way you never have before. Realize it's God's voice speaking to you. It's God's mercy reaching for you. It's God's hand. It might sound like judgment sometimes. It might sound harsh sometimes, but it's just the hand and mercy of God reaching for you saying, please turn around. I don't want to see you suffer. I've got mercy and grace and forgiveness for you. I want somebody here listening to me today, this week, to find mercy and grace in your life. You might have been turning a blind eye and a a deaf ear to the preached word because it sounded harsh, but here in the midst of that message is hope. The Lord wants you to be saved. The Lord wants you to be free. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. So don't heed, please heed the word of God. Heed the preached word of God. Let the word of God stir you and challenge you and change you and find the peace of God that he has for you in your life. Dear Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for the prophetic voices that speak in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the preacher that's in our lives. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you, Lord, for those you've spoken to and those who who, who come sometimes with messages that might seem harsh, but we see the compassion and hear the compassion in their voice. We read it in your word and we understand you don't want us to be lost. You don't want us to face the judgment that's coming. And so you call us to repent. Lord, we want to heed that voice today. We want to listen to that voice today. We want our lives to follow after you. In the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone listening today that your hand would reach them, strengthen them, and help them. And let us follow your voice and find the strength 
and the comfort and the peace and the victory and the salvation that you alone can bring. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at pentecostalpublishing.com.